All right, if you guys have your Bibles or your apps, uh, how many of you guys read with an actual Bible? How many of us read with apps? Okay, some of us. I, I'm, I'm more of an actual Bible type guy personally, uh, except when I make my sermons, I print the text out here because I get lost going from my paper to the Bible. So, um, But we are going to pray this prayer in Ma- uh, our Matthew prayer, and then we're going to dive into it. Will you guys please pray this with me? It's on your song sheet. Our Father, we thank you for this wise picture of Christ's life. Please reveal it to us deeply through your Holy Spirit. Teach us to listen well, learn well, and to live out that knowledge. Renew our sight, refresh our hearts, and grant our desire to seek and follow you. Jesus, help us live our lives for you. Amen. This is Matthew chapter 5, 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of of the great king and do not take an oath by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black let what you say be simply yes or no anything more than this comes from evil this is this story is actually told many times throughout scripture and mo even reminded me of another one today that we're not even going to get into of people making oaths before god Some of them are like cool pictures where they go and they make an oath before God and it's like this solemn thing and it's a beautiful thing. And then there are others, like if you have in the Bible, if you've read through the book of Acts, in chapter 23, it has this interesting story about those who have taken a vow before the Lord. So Paul, who was a messenger of Jesus and he was an apostle of Jesus, he was going around preaching the gospel that was given to him by Jesus. And while he was in Jerusalem, he was arrested and put in jail. And then when he was there, there was a band of about 40 people who made a vow. This is their vow. We will not eat or drink until Paul is dead. No eating, no drinking. That's water, all food. None of it is there. They weren't going to do any of that until Paul was killed. Well, Paul's nephew caught wind of this, a wind of the plant, and he went and he warned Paul. He said, Paul, these guys are going to come kill you. Well, Paul sent his, his nephew to the prison guards and he told the sentries about the plan. So the sentries devised a plan of their own. We're going to get 200 of our sentries together and move Paul to a different, more secure prison. And so that's what they did. And now uh, this, uh, this is one of those stories in scripture that makes clear the words of Jesus, don't make a vow or take an oath. You can't make your hair white or black. You cannot control the things that you want to control. And now, it does, Scripture doesn't go on to tell us what happened to these 40 people, but I've often wondered, uh, those who made the vow not to eat or drink until Paul was dead, well, Paul was in prison for a number of years after that. You can't survive that long without eating or drinking. If they would have kept their vow, they would have died. And they would have died fairly rapidly because there was so much that was outside of their control. I wonder if any of them kept their oath. I don't 
I don't know. You can't know, right? But I wonder, did uh, how many of them like kept it and they're like, well, dinner time rolled around and they're like, well, they moved Paul, but I'm certainly hungry. So they ate dinner or how many of them, you know, kept it for a number of days seeking different ways to kill Paul. Did they all break it or did some of them die? It's pretty obvious from their vow that they thought they'd be able to kill Paul rather quickly, right? At least by the next day or in the next day or two. So there are a few things about this vow that they took in uh, Acts chapter 23. Number one, supposedly, these were men who cared about God. This is important. This is important for us. These were men who cared about God. They were zealous for the laws of Moses. And in that, they were, from their teacher's perspective, they were opposing the word of Jesus and his message. And in this case, Jesus' messenger, Paul, they didn't want to believe or be corrupted by Paul. They were trying to take God seriously, and there is no way that you could listen to Paul and take the God that they believed that they knew seriously. And there is no way that you would have gotten them to listen to Paul or had their hearts change or expected, uh, expected them to change by all this grace talk that Paul was giving. Jesus forgives your sins. Well, what about our whole sacrificial system that's been around for a long time? Like Paul was changing the landscape for, for Judaism. And um, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't have liked it. So for their part, they took God seriously. They were saying at, at least the words of their teachers seriously. And they viewed Paul as an apostate, somebody who went away from the faith. And they viewed him as a threat to their, the pure worship of God, which was so important for them. So before we fault them as just foolish, we can, we can do a lot of inspecting of our own hearts and all, some of our views and some of the strength in, uh, that we hold on to them. Are they <clears throat> sincerely issues that we need to fight for and die for? We don't know. But <clears throat> we can also assume that these 40 would have been collecting folks to the cause. Right. So you can't gather 40 folks to do something this extreme without asking more than 40. You're going to have people that would say no. And obviously that's where um, Paul's uh, nephew came into play. And you can see this. So even as you're collecting people to do this work, um, you couldn't have done it all. And then like another thing I'd want to point out is they thought they were in control of the will of God. As they made this vow, they were assuming that they were doing God work, God's work in silencing this heretic and keeping the law of Moses pure and clean. So they thought they were in control of what God was doing. They were, they were in one sense, acting for God in silencing what they deemed as a heretic, Paul. And another thing, it would be obvious by the story that they were never in control. That these 40 people were never in control. There was never so much that they, they, they didn't know as much as they did. They, they didn't know how serious uh, a matter it was to make this vow. And yet they were serious in it. They were confident in it. I mean, I, I'm assuming that just based on the vow that they thought, okay, well, we're going to, today's Tuesday. Yeah, Wednesday afternoon, we'll all eat lunch together, right? Like that was the way that they were thinking about it. And they were confident that this is the way it was going to be and that God was just going to go with them and grant their plans success. And um, obviously uh, he didn't, he protected Paul. And in the end, 
They look like fools for making this vow, don't they? I'm not going to eat or drink anything until Paul's dead. Now all of a sudden they're just like, oh man, this is not a good thing. They were not able to fulfill it in any way. There's far too much outside of their control. And this is a story in Acts. In one sense, it's about God's protection of Paul. His escape from death, right? His, his, but it's also a story, a warning story for us about making oaths or making vows. And for those of us who desire to take God seriously, it's a story that echoes the words of Jesus here in Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Or at least it really drives home the point in a very uh, strong way. In the end of uh, the story in Acts, it is a story of humility and a story of following Jesus rather than our own path. Like we make our plans and yet it's the Lord who guides our steps, right? There's so much in today, just this day that we have before us that is outside of our control. And so as we make our plans and make our vows, our oaths, but how are we supposed to know all that lies ahead of our path? Jesus knows this, so he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And in that, I'm going to make the, a little bit of an assumption that he's like, and if you don't know the answer, yes or no, then you wait. Then you wait. And we as followers of Jesus cannot say what we are going to do tomorrow with absolute certainty. And this is important because King Jesus might change our direction today. He might change our direction today. If we are going to follow Jesus and really let him be king, then we are willing to let go of all our control and let him change our lives at a moment's notice. If that means that we are following him, then that's what we do. Granted, he doesn't do this often, right? He doesn't do this all the time, but he can do it and he does do it from time to time. As followers of Jesus, we get to allow for these changes, even if they're difficult. <clears throat> when we were going through the Psalms, uh, there, were, there were many Psalms that talk about taking an oath or keeping the vows that you perform before the Lord. And here we have Jesus saying, don't take an, a vow, don't take an oath. I remember when I asked if, if any of us had made vows or oath, oaths to Jesus, most of us at the time raised our hands. I know I have. And, and then um, I remember when I asked, and everybody raised their hands, I remember not thinking about this passage. And then when we come to this passage, I'm like, oh man, I don't know if we're, we're supposed to make these vows. Um, but there are vows that we take in our lives, and we get to take those seriously and do all that we should within our power to keep them. I would give an example of our marriage vow. All those of us who are married in here, we made vows to our spouse. We should do our best to keep them. Those vows or oaths that we have made, you know what we get to do with those? Entrust those to Jesus. Do our best. Follow the works of the Holy Spirit in our life and all that is within us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep these vows. But also know that we don't make vows or oaths for everything. I like I'm going to um, we can commit our ways to the Lord and then let him guide our paths. As we learn to walk with Jesus, we are learning to walk in integrity and integrity is the wholeness of life. Our words and our actions are the same. We have strong desire to walk as we talk 
or talk as we walk. Do these things, they go side by side. So in this, we let our yes be yes, and we let our no be no. And when we don't have an answer as clear as yes or no, we wait until we do, right? That's why kids, uh, kids in here, that's why your parents say maybe. It's not a yes or a no, it's they're waiting to see uh, what the answer may be. And we think on that, and we pray on that, and we wait on that. We certainly, though, don't go around making vows or oaths to every little thing that comes our way. So I'm going to use this as an example. I'm going to go out to lunch with Tyrone this next week. And if I was like, Tyrone, I swear by the life of my children that we will go out to eat on Thursday. Well, look, that's not good, right? Like my poor children in that case, it's not a vow that is good to make because what if something comes up in his schedule? What if something comes up in my schedule? What if something comes that we can't control and we can't go out to eat on Thursday and then Tyrone comes to me, he would never do this, so this is a bad example, and goes, hey, life of your child, we didn't go out to eat. Oh, I made a vow to him. That's, that's why it, we need to learn to walk with integrity, let our yes be yes, and then live that out. So I said, yes, we're going to go out to lunch. And if it doesn't work out, you know what? I, maybe I didn't keep my word, but I did my best to keep it. So it's just one of those things where I don't need to swear by heaven or by earth or by my children that we are going to make this happen. And yet it appears that in Jesus' day, at least we can see this from the life of Paul in that story in Acts, folks were quick to make vows and oaths. They were quick. I swear by the temple itself, or today I swear to God this is what we're going to do. Like people do these things and they, they, they make deals with God based on what they thought God may have wanted. And really what it is, is sometimes it's our desires. Even if they didn't know what God wanted, they, they knew what they wanted God to want. And so they made a vow and an oath, expecting God to honor them in their duty, just like these folks in Acts. Um, they didn't come as followers. They came as leaders attempting in a certain way to control God and what God may do in their lives. And the vow that they made was to show how serious they were. And they were kind of trying to prove to God, hey God, look how serious I am. I put you on the line for this thing. Jesus is telling us that an oath taking is in vain since we don't control anything. Oath taking is in vain because we don't control anything. We can't make a vow that attempts to contain or keep human failure at bay. We don't control as much as we think we do. Amen? Certainly not as much as we'd like to. And we can say amen to that. As followers of Jesus, this is what we get to do. We get to speak the truth about our own actions and then let our actions speak louder than our words. We need words and actions. We need them both. We do our best to be about what God has asked us to do and say what we are supposed to say and let and best to follow Jesus and let that be our main goal in our life. And when we mess up, when like I'm going to use continue with the example of lunch, Ty, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I, I can't make lunch this Thursday. And we can just simply go, you know what? I apologize. I'm repenting before him. I'm saying like, look, I can't make it happen. These things that I didn't know were going to be there are outside of my control. And so if we make vows and oaths, you know what we might do? We might limit what God wants to do in our lives. It might 
and might limit us from following as we walk our lives with God because we are to be followers of Jesus and led by the Holy Spirit, not our own desires. Our desires are to be for Jesus and to follow him wherever he may lead, whenever he may lead. And in that way, as we are followers of Jesus, our words match our lives. Or as we're all, well, some of us are Seahawks fans, right? We can just, Marshawn Lynch, what did he say? You guys, nobody, nobody remembers what Marshawn Lynch said? I'm just, I'm just about that business, boss. He's just, I'm about that action, boss. And what he meant was he's going to let his talking go out on the field. He's going to, he's not going to talk about it. He's just going to let his life do the talking. And so as Christians, you know what we talk about all the time? Grace. We're grateful for it, right? Raise your hand if you're grateful for grace. I'm doubly grateful, right? We talk about it. So you know what we do? Then since God has given it to so richly to us, you know what we get to do? Give it to others. That's what we get to do. It's not just for us to hoard, right? Or another thing that we talk about as Christians, which we're so grateful for, is forgiveness. Again, grateful for forgiveness. Raise your hands. Absolutely. You know what we do with that then? We offer it to others when they harm us. And we talk about how Jesus loves us. So you know what we do? In turn, we love those around us, regardless if they love us or not. The message of Jesus is the message of life, death, burial, and resurrection. It's not just an idea, but it's a life that we get to lead. And because this is the life of Jesus that he lived for us, that we get to participate in. What we have been given by Jesus, we freely give away because we don't need to hoard the things of God. We are generous and our Heavenly Father is generous to us and His good and perfect gifts will never run out. They will never run out. When it mentions here in Matthew an oath or a vow that making them by the throne of God or anything on earth or anything like that, like I promise to God or I swear by all that is sacred or, or you know... Um, Uh, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a thousand needles in my eye, that sort of thing. When we do this, and when we put God, in a sense, we're setting God up for failure. I swear by God, this is going to happen. Well, are you setting God up for failure? Because he has not asked us to do this. In fact, he's warned us not to do this. We swear that God, whom uh, we swore by, will fulfill our words. That's what we're saying. One commentator suggested that making a vow or oath by God, or in this case, anything that's on heaven and earth, as God is the guarantor of these vows, is making God an accomplice. And then when you swear by God, or even by anything on earth, you are speaking blasphemy, which the totality of scripture says is not a good thing. You're claiming something to God that God never claimed for himself. And it's not permitted in scripture. And so we can take it that seriously And so as a follower of Jesus, we walk in a large amount of mystery. It's very hard. It's a very hard thing to do. We don't know tomorrow. We know that the Lord is, if the Lord is willing, we will be given the grace to live tomorrow and the mysteries that tomorrow contains as a follower of Jesus. But we're not promised it. As we live for Jesus We get to walk and have our lives and our words be shaped by Jesus. More than oath makers or oath takers and vow makers, we get to be truth speakers. 
the truth speakers. And we get to speak with the humility of a follower of Jesus. Instead of making vows, we do our best to just simply let our yes be yes or our no be no. And we also know that there are times when we might not be able to give an answer because we can't commit to something. And unless we know Jesus is leading us to it, then we let our silence be silence as well. We get to have our life, our words, our actions lived for Jesus, who, by the way, is in the middle of a sermon laying out his kingdom to where he is king. And he's saying, this is the way that I have for you. That way, when we say yes or no, our lives will be backed up by our actions. I will say this, oaths and vows are enticing for a person who is serious with God. Are they not? We all long for this beautiful thing called certainty. We all long to control more than we can. And it's not always comfortable living day to day, step by step, not knowing what the next step might be. And at the end of the day, the truth that we want to walk with Jesus, because Jesus said this, I am the light. And you know what he said to us, even in the same sermon? We are the light. But Jesus is also the truth. And so in that, we get to be his truth. And Jesus is the way. And we get to walk in this way that Jesus has for us. Thus, becoming the way of Jesus as we follow him. We get to walk in his truth. Not our own personal ideas of his truth for us, but in the way that he has for us laid out for each and every one of us. Some of us may know our next steps, and that's a beautiful thing. And some of us may be praying about it, but either way, we get to do what Jesus has for us. I actually really like in her book about the death of her spouse, Joan Didion says this over and over, the day that her husband John died, she says this, it started like any other day. It started like any other day. Then by the afternoon, her life changed dramatically because her husband, who they didn't know was sick, died. We don't know what God has for us. By the way, this is not just an author thing. I had lunch with a young man on Friday that he woke up, played video games. 20 minutes later, his life changed. His life changed because he found his mom dead. It happens. It starts like any other day. And God changes this. He can dramatically shape our day and we get to live in that humility. We can know this, that God loves us, that he wants good for us, that he will be with us no matter what may come, but yet we don't know what may come. It may be good. Maybe you may be walking into blessing later today. It may be bad. Yet the same truth remains that God's with us. It may be something that is easy for us to walk in, and it may be something that's extremely difficult, That we, but in both ways, we get to leave it in God's hands and we get to lean on Him. We get to walk in the certainty that we don't control anything. We don't control... That's why I love this idea about not controlling the hair um, color. I would say also, um, even though we try in this culture, but we don't control how much hair we have on our head. Amen. For those of us who know what I'm talking about, uh, we don't control that or probably look a little different for some of us, but we don't walk in certainty in everything that we have because we don't control the time. We don't control our situations and we don't even control the outcome of our life. Our job as Christians is to follow our King Jesus. 
One of the beauties of following Jesus is the gift of forgiveness for sins. Amen? Like, we all miss the mark of perfection all the time. We don't follow Jesus as closely as we want. I could have people raise hands for this one too. Like, we don't always follow Jesus as closely as we want. We don't have the integrity that we'd like. And some of us are doing the best we can to follow Jesus each step, while other, others of us have just set our way a long time ago and trusting him and trusting God that is set our way and not really giving it a second thought. Both of these are okay, by the way. I'm not condemning one or the other. Both are good that in what God has for us, but along the way, we will make mistakes. Some of us have even made oaths or vows. I can raise my hand to that because I know I have, besides just my marriage vow. We've gone beyond letting our yes be yes or our no be no. And in this, Jesus said, anything more than this comes from evil. Comes from maybe fear. Comes from doubts. Comes from maybe the longing to control. God knows. God is the one who knows the hairs on our head. God is the one who has numbered our days. And God is the one who directs our steps. In humility, we admit this. And then we get to also live it out. We allow Jesus to lead us. Just as Jesus lived life, listening to God, his father, Jesus listened, he followed, and he obeyed. He did this in good times. He did this in times of healing and preaching and, hey, get out of that tomb and and walk. Or like he did this in healing or feeding the 5,000 where there's miracles and laughter and goodness that God was like in awe and amazement. But he also did this in times of tears and sorrow. He did this as he sweat blood. He did this as he was nailed to the cross. He was being obedient. And the whole of human experience, Jesus experienced. And it's following, and he followed God perfectly. And he did this because he knew that you and I wouldn't. Jesus did this because scriptures say he loved us. Scriptures even say it was for the joy that was set before him, which is you and me. They're not empty words that Jesus gave. He backed up his words with his life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen? And we are saved through the life, the death, the burial, and resurrection. And then he leads us even today through the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus backed up his words of love with death on a cross. And again, it was the joy set before him, the love of you and me that held him to the cross. But he didn't stay dead. Thank you, God. Jesus rose again to show us the way, that we are to continue in the way, that we are not following somebody who is dead, but someone who is very much alive, and we are alive in Christ. And so I pray that we may live for him. Those of us, I'm going to speak to those of us who have taken vows or oaths. Because at, at that one time, I know I raised my hand. For those of us who have gone above and beyond maybe what Jesus intended for us, even as, as well-intentioned as it, it may have been. I'm going to ask, have you taken a vow or an oath that you have sworn to God or by God that you might need to repent of? There are vows that we've made 
that God's will for us to keep. Again, the vow of marriage as an example. But I don't want us to limit the work of God that He has in our lives. I don't want to control my life. I don't. I, again, I've said to people like I don't want a God that I can control. I don't want things that come from evil. And when I speak of evil, I'm not just talking about evil out there. I'm talking about my fear. I'm talking about my own selfish nature or desires. There's room for repentance. There's room for forgiveness and grace. And so I pray that we may follow Jesus even into uncertainty, no matter how long that season lasts. Let's not pretend to know more than we do. Let's walk in the humility that Jesus desired for us and let us follow each and every day. And let each and every day be a gift from Jesus. Just like we read earlier, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The verse 25 of that says, God, will you please give us success? So let us rejoice and may God give us success in following him. Jesus We lay our lives before you. You're teaching us, and I pray that we may listen and learn and try and live out what you're teaching us. Lord, I pray that our desires are to seek and follow you. And Jesus, help us live our lives for you. Thank you for being good. In Jesus' name, amen.